Hello, everybody. I'm Matt Mikuchi, and you are listening to the Jazzes podcast. Hello, everybody. Jazz is online editor Matt Mikuchi here, welcoming you to a new episode of our brand new podcast series of regular conversations with some of the most amazing artists on the jazz and creative music scene today. A series that we have simply decided to call the Jazz is Podcast. On today's show, we welcome pianist composer Quinn Johnson, who also appears in one of the albums of our Jazz Is Vinyl Club, a series of vinyl compilations carefully curated by the Jazz Is editors that is an absolute must for lovers of jazz and vinyl alike. Throughout his career, Quinn Johnson has played with some of the all-time greats and has been a long-time collaborator, including music director for Steve Tyrell. He has lived in different countries and different continents, and the wide range of influences showcased in his music testifies to his rich life experience, including on his 2016 Trio Conclave album, which offered a fusion of Cuban rhythm and jazz, and his 2021 album Pastimes from Times Past, which found him revisiting compositions from his past. So fire up an audio teeny and listen to the audio waves as they fly through the air. Welcome to the Jazz Is Podcast. Hi, Quinn. Welcome to the Jazz Is Podcast. Uh, thank you, Matt. Thank you so much for having me. It's a real pleasure to have you here with us today. Uh, what part of the world are you speaking to us from? Uh, I'm in Los Angeles, and I've been here for a number of years. Excellent. Well, I'm speaking from the west of Ireland, as usual, so different parts of the world. That's my wife and I. Yeah, we have a uh, dream vacation that we would love to do in Ireland. Yeah, that's that's our big bucket list place for sure. Well, it's a great place for sure. And I definitely suggest visiting the west of Ireland. Uh, that is, if you don't mind the rain, of course. Uh, well, you know, I yeah, I lived in England for a number of years when I was a kid. And uh, oh, yeah. my and my wife's from Brazil, so she gets the rain. Yeah, see, I was going to ask you about that because... I read that you have lived in four different countries and on three different continents. Is that right? Yes. Mostly when I was a kid. Uh, by the time I was basically in high school, then we were settled in California. But uh, when I was young, I was born um, in Germany. My father was in the service. And then uh, he taught as a civilian teacher uh, a couple times for the U.S. Air Force. And so we were stationed in Japan and then again in Peterborough in England. Well, that's interesting because I'm always fascinated by how travel can broaden the mind. But to have actually lived in these places, especially in your formative years, do you think that had an impact on your journey as an artist? Um, possibly. I mean, probably the biggest you know, motivator in my young life anyway. My father is uh, now retired, but he was a high school band director and choir director for 35 or years or so. So there was just music all the time, and that was sort of the biggest thing. As far as, you know, living in different places, having an impact on me, I think more just as a person, you know, and then you bring that to your music, just being open to different points of view or different 
things, you know, just different ways of living even can, uh, you know, really sort of prepare you for you know, trying out different stuff musically, I think. Yeah. Uh, so it also sounds like music was more or less always a part of your life then. Yeah, for sure. My, you know, my mom's the, the, the church pianist, you know, kind of person. And would and would accompany my father's choirs. So there was, yeah. And we were forced to take piano lessons as kids. That's really the thing. And did you like those lessons? No, I did not like it for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I I hated it. I was I was you know I was the one who threw the the piano book across the room, in anger. You know, like I would rather be outside. Why am I have to being in here and and playing? So, yeah. but there comes a point where you, for me anyway, I got to be pretty good. And once you're good at something you become much more interested in it, you know. And was jazz included in those early lessons? Was jazz part of your music formation from early on, so to speak? Well, I mean, you know, I took the regular piano lessons everybody does with the, the typical sort of classical repertoire uh, when you're a kid. And But yes, then by the time I got to be in seventh grade, so I was about 13, and we were then living in England, and my the high school, the on-base high school, at RAF Alkenberry was uh, my father was the band director and it was a seven through 12 school. So I was in seventh grade with everybody from my age all the way through seniors in high school. And they had a, you know, a jazz band, which I made as being as the piano player. So I got to, you know, start to, and he, we, we did sort of uh, rock and roll as well. It was sort of not just straight jazz, but, you know, we would do some Chicago tunes or some Billy Joel tunes. And that sort of, you know, got me into it as far as, getting into jazz in a sort of from a more rock and roll direction yeah. i think was there anything in particular that you liked about jazz like a lot of people often refer to a sense of freedom and freedom of expression that jazz can grant on a musician uh including via improvisation for example i think so uh yeah it really was just being in a band for the first time it really is a is a big thing if piano players you know you you spend your whole you know youth playing piano by yourself and then you can continue on through your entire life only playing the piano by yourself with it. Whereas other instrumentalists, you know, they start playing in bands. Basically, you don't just play the trumpet unless you're playing in a band usually. So I think that was a big part for me is being part of a group and feeling that energy. Um, but yeah, as far as jazz and the openness, you know, improvisation is, of course, the cornerstone of jazz. And I started realizing probably a couple years after that, that if I wanted to be the best player I could, who was who could really just play like anything, like for real? Um, and that was the jazz players. You're not you're not married to the music. If if you take away the music to a lot of, for a lot of people, then they're doomed. Um, who were some of your early jazz influences? Well, I have to say, when I was 15, my dad took me to a Chick Corea electric band concert. So that was really kind of the, the thing where I saw that. I'm like, that is so incredible. You know, you're 15 and all this, there's synthesizers everywhere. And it's like this, it's like a, basically a rock and roll show, except, you know, they're improvising. Um, so I was kind of amazed by that. I do remember my father had, uh, you know, records of Pat Metheny and Weather Report and Chuck Mangione when I was a kid, you know. So I remember listening to a bunch of instrumental music. You know, it didn't have to have, you know, vocals for me to be interested in it. So that was really a big part. And then there's usually a moment in a musician's life when, you know, they realize that music could become a career. Uh, did you experience this type of moment? I mean, 
you know, also because music, when you think about it, it's not the safest, most secure career to get into, and it requires a lot of passion to actively pursue a career in music. Yeah, you're going to have to love it because this is, you know, you're not, you're definitely not in this for the money. And if you are, you're, it's, you're either going to be disappointed or it's going to be short-lived money, and then you're going to be back out on your, you know, back out selling real estate or something. You know, I saw my, my dad was a teacher, right? But he also played gigs all the time. And when I was 15, I started working. I started playing in a local community jazz band that would start doing gigs. And then there would be breakoffs from that band doing small group things, you know, playing little restaurant gigs or playing grand openings of parking lots, you know, or whatever, some ridiculous little things. And I, but I was making money, you know, and I, when I turned 16, um, I got a job job. Like I was an actual dishwasher at an Italian restaurant, which I got to tell you is a terrible way to go. I, uh, after about two months of that, I was offered a position at a local music school teaching piano and then playing some gigs too. So I took that and quit and that's all I've ever done ever since. So for me, it's never been like I had another job and then I decided maybe I could want to do this. From the time I was 16, I was making money playing music. So it's really, there's really no other choice for me. I mean, you know, I don't, <laughs> I'd be sort of doomed if I, if I, if music wasn't it at this point. Okay. So you're getting to play at, uh, live at this point, but can you remember who were some of the, the greats? that you uh, first got to share the stage with? Because throughout your career, you have collaborated with some of the greats, but who were the first ones that you got to play with that you were like, wow? So I went to Long Beach, California State University, Long Beach for like a minute and sort of bailed on the program. Um, but it sort of located me down in Southern California. And then I just started working around town. And you, because Los Angeles has such a deep and wide talent pool, full of, you know, people you've never heard of all the way to world-class people. Um, you just cross paths with them in, in club gigs or whatever. It just becomes sort of normal to play with some people who, you know, kind of maybe were your heroes at some point. I do remember one time, this was, you know, a ways into the career, but I remember being on stage um, and playing a Chick Corea tune called 500 Miles High with Ayerto was playing the drums and Flora Purim was singing who were on the original recording. And I've just been, I'm looking up here, just going, you know, looking across the stage going, this is kind of amazing. I used to listen to this when I was a kid and here they are, you know? Well, hopefully at that point, it also felt natural to be on stage beside them, right? Like it didn't just feel like you were out of place, like you didn't belong there. Well, hopefully, yes. Hopefully you are prepared. You do need to uh, work hard at it. It's, it's not like it just sort of happened and, you know, you know, it's the old thing where it's it's 99% hard work is, yeah. is all of it. The talent is, you know, you, you need to have some sort of talent. But, I mean, I spend hours a day now just keeping myself at the same level and trying to get better. So it, it takes a lot of work. So you need to prepare yourself. And so if you are prepared, then things will go well for you, you know. Right. And then, of course, there comes the opportunity to work with Steve Terrell, uh, including as his music director, I believe that was 16 years working with him, right? I mean, that's a huge chunk of your life. Yeah, basically it was, yeah, I was uh, in my early thirties, I think when I started doing that. So that was, yeah, it was a lot of work. And Steve, you know, he worked a lot. He, we were gone. I was gone for, you know, six, seven months. If when you put it all together, not in a row, but you know, quite a bit on the road with him and then recordings of different things. And then I met, you know, so many different musicians, along with that gig.
The track you are hearing is from Past Times from Times Past by pianist composer Quinn Johnson. The album was released last year and it's a collection of original music that Johnson composed over the last couple of decades, performed with a diverse group of old friends. Recorded during the pandemic, this album represents a cross-section of American and world music as filtered through the lens of the composer's life. And if you love jazz and vinyl, be sure to check out Jazz Is Vinyl Club, a new series of vinyl compilations carefully curated by the Jazz Is editors and featuring some of the most exciting jazz artists from yesterday and today that we regularly cover in the print version of Jazz Is, jazzis.com and these Jazz Is podcasts. Go to jazzis.com and click on Join Vinyl Club. And now for the second part of our conversation with Quinn Johnson. Quinn, earlier we talked about your life experience of living in different countries and different continents. And the reason why I had intended to bring this up is because when I listen to your music, I hear the influence of different musical heritage and cultures and rhythms and so on from different corners of the world. In particular, I guess you seem to find the Latin tradition particularly inspiring, right? Yes, absolutely. I, uh, you know, and it, it didn't come from when I was a little kid. It was came from uh, once I moved to the L.A. area and uh, started working in, in I got involved with a salsa band, Latin, you know, salsa music is sort of the dance version of the Cuban and Puerto Rican stuff. Um, It's not really jazz. I mean, there's, there's a lot of jazz chords and harmonies and there are solos, but the solos are, you know, to get people to dance really more than anything else. But I got involved and started working and just playing those bands like three or four nights a week. And then from there, getting into some Brazilian music, and it it sort of is a big part of who I am now because of that all those years ago, you know. Speaking of that, you know, that kind of brings to mind your 2016 album, Trio Conclave, which was this excellent fusion of Cuban rhythms and jazz that you put out. And speaking of this record, what do you like about working within a piano trio setting well i mean you know it's sort of the ultimate for a piano player it's uh ultimate responsibility as well it's there's a lot of like i said responsibility you're you're sort of it you're, you don't have to really accompany there's you're definitely not a singer there's not a you know horn player so you have to play the melody you have to you know define the harmony and also collaborate with your you know it's not just piano sort of accompanied by bass and drums it shouldn't be it should be more of a collaboration between the three of you but the piano is definitely in front so uh it's it can be freeing in that you you can kind of go where you want but you need to know where you're going you know and the responsibility is yours the whole time so it's 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 kind of great so we're going back to that uh that very simple but key concept that preparation is key and what does that preparation entail? Uh, well, practice and, you know, doing it. Really, there's no there's no uh, substitute for, for doing the work and doing the playing. You can't just sort of practice, 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 and then show up and expect to be great at a trio if you've not played in a trio. You need to just continually play in that situation, and uh, you'll find it, uh, it you develop as you go. Yes, and I guess... 
it's important to find the right people to play with, right? Sure. You know, and that's, uh, you know, one of the great things about living here is that um, the, like I said, the talent pool is so wide. You know, if your first five or six bass players can't make it and there's another five or six who are just great that you, you know, can get. And so you get the opportunity to play with so many different players, which then, you know, improves your own playing because this is such a collaborative music. It's not just, you know, you just play that part and only that part. And that's how this part of the song goes and not not in jazz and not the not the jazz that I like to play anyway. It's, uh, you know, we're really just going to see where this goes. We have a general sense and there's, you know, intention behind all of it. But um, it's going to go where it's going to go. And let's just, you know. Let it do that. And then, Quinn, your latest album was released last year in 2021, and it's called Past Times from Times Past, which, aside from qualifying as a pun, which is remarkable in itself, because I believe it was Alfred Hitchcock who said that um, the pun that was the highest form of poetry, <laughs> you know, there's a meaning behind the title, because I believe this was a project that found you going back to revisit your past. Yeah, for sure. You know, these were, it was a bunch of songs that um, I had written over the past 30 years, I guess. If you go, one of those tunes is from when I was just, you know, just in college. Um, but they had not been recorded. There's, you know, these tunes are all from my past and they all have certain memories of when I wrote them, but they never really sort of made it out of the, you know, off the notepad and into the world. So I figured, you know, the pandemic, it was sort of a perfect time to just get those out and get them sort of off, you know, because they, they sit there in the back of your mind. It was like, oh, this tune, this is off, but it's not right for this project. So you don't do it. Then five years later, you're like, oh, what about that tune? I like it, but, you know, you can't do anything with it. And so now I don't have to think about these stupid tunes anymore because they're out. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, there's uh, that. But also uh, what I was curious about was uh, going back as far as, uh, like you said, 30 years, uh, What's that process like, not only as far as the musical aspect is concerned, but also in terms of revisiting your personal history? Does that entail some soul-searching, uh, re-evaluation of decisions that you made, you know, meditations on where you were then, where you are now, all that type of stuff? Yeah, well, you know, because there's a, you do have, you know, memories of when you wrote the tune and, you know, you go back and you see the notebook that you wrote it in and of that part of your life and... As you know, as we get older, you do have you have like several lifetimes behind you of things where you were sort of a different person and things, situations were completely different. So it is interesting to uh, sort of have those memories come up because it, it's, you know, it's almost like you know, when somebody has a sense memory and they really get brought back by the smell of something or, you know, the sound of something. It's the same kind of thing with with these tunes. You can remember when you first wrote them. And now you can finally, you know, get them out. So Right. And likewise, with some of these tunes in particular, you're kind of opening up to the listener because they come from a very personal place. Yeah, I think anytime uh, you do original music that, you know, has some meaning to you, that that's kind of what that is. It, it's it's and, that, and honestly, that's one of the cool things about jazz as well is you're when you're improvising, when you're that's really you speaking. You know, I'm a much more, much more understandable person through my music, I think, than yeah. any, any conversation. So if you really want to know me, not, you know, for whatever reason, you know, listen to the playing because that's kind of it in, in the improvisation. It's, it's, that's kind of where we're at as far as the playing for me. And so returning to this idea of revisiting the past through this project, 
that brings to my mind something else that is often linked with the uh, the idea of making art of any kind. Uh, do you feel that a composition to you, as would be you know a painting to a painter, or a photograph to a photographer, and so on? Like, it's a way for you to just engrave or capture a moment in time. Certainly. Um, for me, composing the music, the music sort of just is really in the forefront. I sometimes, want, you know, sometimes you'll have some sort of experience or memory or something and then want to write about it. Um, for me, the hardest thing when you're finishing up a project like this is uh, most of these tunes don't have titles. It's not like it's I just knew that this was what, what it's going to be. This, the song came about sort of on its own and then you're stuck having to try to title it. So then you try to remember, you know, what it was about or, you know, that kind of thing. But um, as far as getting a memory, like having a, or having an experience and then writing about it, you know, that happens. But for me, the music is really the music. And as far as if you want to have a, a sense of a time or a, 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 an experience, really, that comes from the actual playing, like the improvisation. You know, which when you hear the, uh, something on the record like that, that'll be there'll be there's improvisation right there. But that just happened that one time. You know, if I played it the next day, the improvisation would be completely different. That's interesting. So is that the same to you when you're performing that music live? Yeah, I think. And, and, and actually, you know, if you think about it, we have all these classic records that we love and they're great. And you know the solos, you know, if you're jazz aficionado. And we learn the solos as the players and we write them down and we learn them and memorize them and, and then learn from them. But that was just that one take. Listen to the alternate take. They sound different. The next day when they played that night, they played it differently, but they played it faster. You know, if you hear a band like live recordings of bands in, you know, Miles Davis or Bill Evans or whoever, you hear them live after they've been playing, like you listen to Bill Evans do Waltz for Debbie, it abla it's so fast when it, at live when he plays it. It's kind of un it's sort of unnerving because you're used to this perfect like studio recording that he did just that one time. So you know it's it's not like a, a rock or a pop show where everything is literally the same exact way because that's what everybody expects and that's what you need to do. This is a, it's a living music, you know. A living music, I like that. Uh, but on that note, you know, I know your music is mostly being of that kind of course but do you feel that like in the future you may try to do something that is completely different like experiment in a more prominent way with production effects and all that stuff well i mean i just i'm more of a player i mean i do production for people and i do some of that kind of stuff i'm a, I'm a recording session musician here in la too so we, we do all that kind of stuff uh -huh. for different kinds of styles of music and, and all that but um as far as for me um the music that I like to compose and then that I like to write has the improvisation element to it. But like I was trying to say earlier, maybe when I compose something, I really it's more of a composer world that I'm coming from. Like this is the song and, and it's more about the composition. And then there are improvisational elements in it. Whereas if you're just out playing, the improvisation is much more free. And but as, and as far as effects, yeah, I mean, I, I could dig on that, but I've really been recently coming back to the piano you know i play all the keyboards and all the different things as well for different people but um piano is really it demands so much sort of attention to really be played well that i kind of find myself spending all my time on that so i think most of the stuff going forward is going to be more acoustic 
you know, rather than electronic, I think. Interesting. Well, whatever you do, Quinn, we'll make sure to watch that space. And certainly, it has been a great pleasure speaking with you on this episode of the Jazz Is podcast. Thank you for joining us. Absolutely. Thank you, Matt. enjoyed my conversation with pianist Quinn Johnson and his music from his latest album Pastimes from Times Past plays us out I encourage you to also check out our Jazz A's Vinyl Club Join the club and we will send you four premium limited edition colour vinyl albums mailed directly to you Go to jazzays.com and click on Join Vinyl Club for more Thanks again for listening and keep an eye out for more Jazzes podcasting content as well as other articles uploaded on jazzes.com. In the meantime, this is Matt McCucci signing off. See you soon. Music